Chino podcast number 13 and my guest today is a man called Chris Chandler Yates. He's been a police officer, he's been on motorways, he's been uh, on the diplomatic protection squad, he's now a personal trainer, he's also a, what do I say, a novice powerlifter or a competitive powerlifter I guess? Novice. Novice, okay that's cool. Uh, you can tell from his accent that he's from Thai Happy uh, previously and possibly even a firefighter to be but we'll talk some more about that. So welcome Chris. Uh, we always do a pop quiz hotshot, um, so I'm going to ask you a couple of questions. So, if you weren't a PT, what would you be or what would you want to be if you had the choice of any job in the world? Any job in the world. Currently, there isn't any other one. Oh. Well, yeah, that's so that, that's, I left the place, the place I thought was going to be my job. Yep. And then, obviously, um, I'm sure we'll get into that, my backstory. Um... We definitely will. Yep. Yeah. Um, I left that, and now I'm doing what I absolutely love. So um, people say you can't do what you love. Um, I do. <laughs> Beautiful. Uh, what's your current net, Netflix binge or your current binge on a TV program? It is, what is it? It's the horror on Horrors of Hill House, I think it is. Right. It's this, uh, yeah, it's, yeah, it's good. Pretty freaky. Okay. <laughs> it's a 9.1 out of 10 on IMDb. Nice, okay. Uh, the best cop movie of all time is? Bad Boys 2. Nice. Yeah, Will Smith. Yeah, good week, yeah. Uh, what's the book you're currently reading? I'm not a huge reader, um, so I'm not actually currently reading a book. That's but all good. always doing research on different stuff to help um, help out my clients, so uh, Google. <laughs> uh, who's the most famous person that you've ever met? Oh, most famous person? Jack Black. Jack Black. Did you meet him here? Or did you meet yeah, him I met States? him here when he was filming King Kong because my uncle was in the movie with him. Not as King Kong, I'm hoping. No, he wasn't as. No, no I wasn't yet. as King Kong. Yeah, right, that's all right. Um, where were we? Uh, do you collect anything? I collect police patches, um, yep. and yeah, that's about it at the moment. What does Valhalla look like to you? What does Nirvana look like to you? What does heaven look like to you? Heaven. Basically, what's a perfect day? What would you say? Perfect day would be getting up, going to the gym. Yeah, I uh, love the gym. Then going for a motorcycle ride uh, and having a beer with some friends, and then yeah, hanging out with my wife. All right. Uh, now, as I said, you're obviously clearly you have a bit of a twang there, and it's not from Invercargill. <laughs> um, so you're from a place called Reading in California. Yes. When did you come over to New Zealand? Uh, yeah, so I actually left the States with my parents and my little brother, and we got on a sailboat in the Caribbean, mm -hmm. sailed around the world for just shy of five years, so we left the States in 2000, uh, and then we got here in New Zealand because my mom actually got the Ben scuba diving in Tonga oh, yeah. and got Arivac to Devonport nice. uh, and loved it here, so we ended up sailing down here, and we got here December 16th, 2004. Nice. Uh, whose idea was the boat cruise? Uh, my parents. Yeah, wow. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> they were going to do it after we went to call after my brother and I went to college, uh, but then decided to take us through our teenage years through the South Pacific. <laughs> hey, yeah, you do. That's all good. All, right, all good. Uh, so your policing career. Um, you are down at police college. When? What year were you down at police college? Uh, Two thousand eleven. Two thousand eleven. January, yeah. I believe it was. Yep. And on your graduation day, I think you won't won't be the first, but your graduation day. Is uh, kind of special because you did something on graduation yep. day, didn't you? So it's not, yeah, it's been done before and it has been done since. Yep. Um, I, after we did the march and the haka, we're all, you know, threw our hats up and all that. Uh, I then proposed to my wife underneath the uh, 
the crust. Nice, and luckily for you, she said yes. So that <laughs> yeah, was luckily. Good, yeah, double happy ending <laughs> on that day there. Uh, so, where did you first go to? Where were you first posted to when you came out? Of uh, back then, you went to Tag first yep. for six weeks, and then straight after that, I was Henderson Police Station for yep. six weeks. So and those, then North Shore. Those listeners who don't know what Tag is, it's the uh, random breath test stop. Um, so yeah, so there for a bit. So then out to Henderson, was it? Yeah, Henderson yeah. for six weeks. Yeah. Um, and what? Can you remember your first day on the job? Can you remember what it was like? Uh scary as shit. Um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So went to line up, uh, brought the obligatory cake. Yep. Um, and yeah, so we had at the time there was what was it? There was like fifteen of us on section back then. Yeah out west and uh yeah so it was it was good um bit bit scary um just because your first day and just like first day at work uh and then i ended up in the watch house um so yeah just booking people through the through the uh cells and stuff at the time and can just from your time out on the street with that first sort of patch of your career what's the best war story you've got as we call them in the trade so in the very beginning yeah, or in general? In general, it's all good. Yeah. Uh, best, probably the most, the one that I remember the most, and it's because it was like in the first week actually out on the street, was doing a bail check on a guy. We could smell marijuana. He was on bail conditions for no drugs. So we went to arrest him, and he decided he wanted to go back into the house and say he wanted a hoodie. But yeah, so we ended up having a little bit of a, a fight with him in the hallway. So that was quite fun. As you do, yeah, yeah, <laughs> good work, right. So, so you're in for uh, how many years before you decide you're going to start looking at the um, Defender Squad as a possible career option? Um, you talk to anybody at college uh, before I even joined. <laughs> <laughs> good week. So I, my nickname was SWAT because yeah. all I wanted to do was AOS. Nice. So you went and tried out for AOS. How did that work out for you? Yeah, so I trained for a year. For my fitness, yep. um, probably over a year. Uh, went for AOS. Uh, that was really good. Uh, only thing I didn't get through was because of scenarios. Just too yep. little career time, yep. to be honest. Uh, and then after a little stint on, and correct me if I'm wrong here, motorways and a few other sort of units, you decide you're going to go down the diplomatic protection squad route? Yep. So it was actually not that long after. It was right around the same time as I went for AOS. Yep. I actually I actually decided to do it at the same time. I decided why not. I was really fit at the time. So I was currently, I think I was about eight months on motorways at the time, um, which made it real nice because I could train quite good with being on motorways. Yeah. Yeah, so I actually did the diplomatic protection selection course a week prior to the AOS one. Okay, and what was, and without giving away too many trade secrets, uh, what was that diplomatic protection course, training course like? Um, so back then it's different to a now. Yeah. Now it's kind of along with the AOS stuff a little bit. Um, yeah. But back then it was uh, a week, and it was a week of lots of fitness and lots of scenarios, and yeah, a week of... You could almost call it a week of hell. Yeah, 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 well, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Early, early mornings, like 3 a.m., and then you'd be going for ages, and then, yeah, and then you get a little bit of a break, and then back up, and, yeah, swimming, fitness testing. Um, yeah, if you're a police officer and you're wanting to go for it, it's all on the internet. Yeah, um, lots of, and everybody takes the mickey out of the guys that are on the uh, DPS. They do a fantastic, guys and girls, I should say, they do a fantastic job, but just like everywhere, um, 
mirrored sunglasses, talking in deer sleeves, <laughs> uh, talking in riddles, all that type of stuff. So yep. who are some of the people that you looked after while you were there, like in, on DPS? So uh, lots of different ministers, but uh, mostly John Key. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was first initially based at his house. Mm-hmm. Um, then yeah, we looked after him quite a lot. Uh, other ministers, I got to look after the royals from the Netherlands. I got to look after Bill English and... Yeah, uh, obviously other um, other diplomats and stuff as well. So. And did you go overseas with DPS at all or not? No, I wasn't in quite long enough oh, to yeah. get over. If I'd stayed in, I probably would have that next year, but no. And then, as we said, your backstory as you refer to, oh, that's quite cool. Um, you were suffered from PTSD. Yeah, so that stems back. I actually went through it a couple times within the career. Yeah. Um, the first time I thought I dealt with it all, yeah. uh, but obviously I it came back with a vengeance yeah. at the very end, um, which is one of the reasons that I left. Yeah. Uh, yes, yeah, so it all kind of started. My partner uh, here on the North Shore, a female partner, she got assaulted, and yeah, that kind of I took that quite hard. Yeah. And that quite to heart. Mm-hmm. Blame myself a lot for that. Yeah. And then. Went off to motorways, then came back and went to quite a few suicides, which wasn't too bad, but then it was an advising job, so I went to, um, there's two of them in particular that I went to that were after the suicide, or kind of right then. Yeah. Uh, Yeah, one was a guy's son uh, committed suicide, and then we were actually looking for him at the time. My partner found him, and I was trying to get him back back to our patrol vehicle and had to tell him in the middle of the pathway. Yeah. Watching somebody my dad's age drop to his knees. Yeah, it's, it's never a good. <laughs> it's thing. never fun, no. but yeah. Um, so yeah, that that started it all, and then about a year. Uh, yeah, so about a year after that, which would have been right around that four years into the job. Yeah, uh, three years into the job. Uh, yeah, it started to affect me and my wife's um, our relationship a lot. Yeah, and then I sought help uh, after probably too late. Yeah, dealt with that. Thought I dealt with it all, saw the police um, counselor, and then about three years later, uh, I was all of a sudden just felt numb again. And yeah, my wife and I were really in hard times then, and I decided I didn't want to do that with her help. She really, really pushed that side. Yeah. Uh, And then, yeah, I decided I needed, with the help of counselor, a really good counselor, uh, we decided I was, well, she straight up first session said I was burned out. Yeah. And so, and I needed a break. So I took three months, went back to the States, bought a motorcycle on my own, left my wife here, which initially didn't go over too well, but then, uh, (laughs) but then, yeah, she was like, it was, yeah, the counselor told her it was either he's going to leave you or worse and, or he's going to go on this trip and hopefully come back. Yeah. So, which I did. Yeah. Thank God you did. Yeah. And, And those of you. Those people that know you know that you're a pretty positive person. Yeah. Were you, when you were going through that phase, were you wearing a mask of sort of happiness to everybody outside and then just basically coming home and, you know, not very happy about that? Yeah. Things? So the first time I went through it all, um, my wife and I didn't really tell anybody yeah. um, what was going on. And then the second time I was going through I told my best friend who I went to police college with. That's where we became really good friends. Yeah. And he's like, this is the second time you've gone through it? Uh, yeah. <laughs> so he didn't even know and we were catching up at least once a month yeah. kind of thing. Yeah. Um, and like I said, you're a fairly positive person. I mean, you're, for goodness sake, you're a personal trainer now, so you motivate other people yep. and anything else. 
people describe it as being down the well or they've got the black dog in their house or they feel like they've got a weight on their shoulders and anything else. Uh, when you look back at it, why don't you think that you could get out of the well, so to speak, if you know what I mean? It becomes overwhelming. Yeah. Before you know it, the well's closed up. Yeah. And you don't, you feel alone. Yeah. Even though you, you know, deep down inside, you know you're not. Yeah. You feel alone. You don't want to talk about it. Yeah. You don't want to do it, even though it's the best thing to do is to talk about it. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it just, it does. It feels like a weight on your shoulder and it feels like the whole world's cloudy. Yeah. And for those of you who've read uh, Sir John Kewen's book, and I don't know if you're the same, because it's never the same for anybody. No. Let's be honest. He just talks about days of, he didn't even want to get up out of bed. Oh, towards towards the end, I mean, and <laughs> any of the boys that I worked with on diplomatic protection, they'll be able to identify it. If I had days where I wasn't operationally necessary, because I would always get, I would always be at work if I was needed at work. But if I had days where I was just sitting in the office, I'd call in sick, yeah. just so I could sit on the couch and do nothing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so what what helped you during that phase? Because you know, you very often have different people. They'll say. Oh, you know, if you've got a friend who's maybe a little bit depressed or they've got PTSD, the best thing you can do is listen or the best thing you can actually do is try and talk to them about their problems. What kind of helped you get through it? Obviously, your wife did, and big shout-out yeah. to CY. God bless you. But um, what what sort of helped you get through some of those like really cloudy days? Initially, it was going and seeing a counsellor. Yeah. I know as guys, especially in the police, you know, we don't like to yeah, say no. that something's wrong. Nah, yeah. Um, but yeah, going to see a counselor, um, because it was somebody that I didn't know yep. that I didn't feel was judging me or anything like that. Uh -huh. Um, even though that second counselor, it got, I was such, so dark that I thought she hated cops yeah. and that she just wanted me to leave the police. Uh -huh. But uh, yeah, seeing a counselor. And then when I went and did my trip, finally I was forcing myself to step out of my comfort zone and actually talk to people yeah. um, and tell my story. Which Telling my story is yeah. huge and I still do it to this day yeah which is always a good thing as well so yeah. if you knew somebody in the same situation now what would you recommend that they do for that person what would you say just be there for them yeah um you talk to my wife about it yeah they get it worse your partner uh, the, the closest people to you get yeah. it worse yeah be there for them and know that they're not I hate to use the word ill, but they're they're not health. You know, it's not healthy. Yeah. Um, and the beginning parts is the hardest. Yeah. And um, Mrs. C Y has written an amazing uh, Facebook post, which I'll read out to you at the very end of this podcast, um, which I think is great. But obviously, uh, basic information is always the same. Uh, reach out, talk to somebody if you can. Uh, make sure that there's lots of um, crisis lines and all that type of thing please get in touch with somebody before you know it starts to get really really bad for you so how is every day looking now for you do you still have like moments of darkness it, it took me about six months to have more even after my trip to have more good days than bad yeah um i still have the occasional bad days especially if things aren't going right yeah. um i'm sure we'll get into my fire stuff going yeah. for fire recently when yeah. i didn't make that um i was pretty dark for a few days yeah um so yeah, you still do. It's always there. Yeah. Um, my business is knocking demon fitness. Yeah. The demon is always knocking, or he's always sitting at that door. Yeah. yeah, exactly, yeah. <laughs> and I think I, I don't think a lot of people actually realize that they looked at you because I know a lot of the guys looked at your thing and went, "Knocking demon fitness. What's that all about?" And I said to them, "The demon's always at the door." And like, "What do you mean?" I'm like, 
given the battles he's been through, the demons at the door. Yeah. So it is for all of us. It's just yeah, we all just, have it. It's yeah. just the severity. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and how loudly he or yeah. she knocks. Depending yeah. On, yeah. So, uh, what keeps you going every day then, apart from your wife? Because I know that you guys are really yeah, we're tight. real tight. Yeah. Um, what keeps me going? Helping people. Yeah. Making a difference. Yeah. And when you do start to feel a little like bout of gloom coming on, what do you do? Like, I mean, some people that. Um, like David Goggins, I don't know if you've seen him, he's a Navy SEAL who just like literally is an ultra runner, he just runs for miles. Yeah. And just basically, yeah. So, first thing I do is I actually um, message my wife and tell her I'm not doing too well. Yeah. Um, and then she'll talk to me a little bit about it, but it's not so much about getting her to actually, you know, give me tips or tell me it's okay or anything. It's just about telling somebody yeah. that you're going through something that day. Yeah. And then if I'm having a real bad day, I go to the gym. Yeah. And I lift heavy weights. Yeah, and <laughs> and that's been known to help as well. It's yes. Like if you do some really, really strenuous, strenuous activity, yeah. yeah, you get the endorphins rolling yeah. and you always feel better afterwards. Yeah. So now, obviously, that brings you on to, so you go through that phase and you come out after your bike trip all around the States. Where'd you go in the States? I uh, started in Reading, yeah. bought a motorcycle there, um, ended up doing just shy of 8,000 US miles, uh, went through Nevada, did Highway 50 through the desert of Nevada, uh, southern Utah, northern Arizona, New Mexico, uh, down to Roswell. Yeah, nice. Try yeah. and see the aliens. Yeah. Uh, and yeah. then shot over to Houston, yeah. across Texas, uh, to see family, then Austin to see more family, and then started my way back, uh, seeing friends and family, Phoenix, uh, northern LA. Yeah. Lake Tahoe, and then back home. So I did big loop. And I know that there will be lots of your relatives listening, so a massive shout-out to all those people in Redding, California, um, because we know that, uh, well, I know especially through Chris, um, the massive damage that went through that area. Yeah, that fire this year. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it almost burned down the town. Um, yeah. Thank you to all the firefighters over there. Yeah, yeah. Because, yeah, they, they did, they worked endlessly you know there's photos of them sleeping in guys backyards and stuff because yeah. <laughs> that's yeah. what it takes and drinking from garden hoses yep. and that type of stuff yeah. <laughs> yeah. um okay so you go from being in that dark spot you come back to new zealand and you decide okay what am i going to do next yep and you go and decide that you're going to go and become a personal trainer yeah right specializing in police recruit fitness yeah eh? yeah yep. right um because there's a big gap there uh, mm. to be fair what's that like when you leave the job uh, like I've spoken to a couple of people who have left the job what's it like because they say oh look that took me months to switch off and even now I still sit I see mm. a car and I'm like oh yeah, yeah hang on what was it like for you when you left uh, it was hard so initially I was on leave without pay Yeah. so I took leave without pay so it wasn't quite as drastic as just straight resigning mm-hmm. um, I ended up having 14 months leave without pay the initial part when I was doing the PT course and things like that just to get the you know piece of paper because you have to have it um it wasn't too bad. Yep. The time that was real hard was when it came to the end of my leave without pay, and I had to hand in that letter. Yeah. I had quite a few tears. Yeah. My wife and I had quite a few talks. Yeah. Some dark days. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, because I felt like I was, you know, I was failing myself. You know, I did seven years in the job. I loved it. I still bleed blue. You know, yeah. somebody some bad talks about a cop, and <laughs> yeah. I'll be the first one to yeah. be there with the gloves on. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so it is hard. But there's life outside of it, yeah. and once I got past and I kind of acknowledged that and went, yep, cool, this is my choice, I'm making this choice, yep. I'm not being told that I have to do this, mm-hmm. um, it was a lot easier. I still have days where I miss it, you know, yep. the, th- the thrill, you always yeah. miss the thrill, yeah, yeah, yeah. but then I remember the reasons why I left, and you know, even just recently I had some chats with my wife, and 
she was like, you, you know, you were sick, and that's why you decided to not, you know, not continue in the job. Yeah, exactly. So, being a PT and specialising in police recruit fitness, what lets down most people when they come to see you in the first instance and say, hey, I want to be a police officer, Chris, can you help me? What's the one thing that stands out more than anything for Determination. You? Yeah? Yeah. yeah, so they always have that motivation in the beginning, and um, I can't remember who it was, but you post, you show it every recruitment um, seminar. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. And you know that after the last one, it really stuck with me. And everybody's got motivation, especially in the beginning, but when it starts to get hard or you're not getting the results that you expect, yeah, it, the motivation peels away. Yeah, you have to stay determined. You know, and a lot of people don't. They kind of go, "Oh, it's getting hard. I've hit this plateau. I can't get past it." That's the point where you have to really remember why you're doing this yeah and that's what i say to people as well and they say oh, i want to join i'm like yeah well, well motivation's not going to work for you and they're like what do you mean i'm like it's easy to be motivated on a hot sunny day to go for a run but when it's two <laughs> degrees outside and raining you ain't yep. going to be anywhere near it so yep. so um so it's determination yeah okay so the uh, and i've asked uh the guest before you last week uh a guy called jason coleman who's a firefighter and a cop um he used to be a pt as well uh, just for interest's sake, what's the for you? What's the diet exercise ratio? Because you get some people say, "Oh, look, it's seventy percent diet and thirty percent exercise." If you want to succeed, what do you think it is? Depends on what your goals are. Yeah. So um, you know, there's a there's a close tie between nutrition and performance. Yeah. Um, so if you're eating shit, you're going to perform shit. Yeah. You know, you can get through it. You can push through it. And I didn't realize it for years as well. The how yep. close of a correlation it is. Yeah. If you're wanting to lose weight. Obviously, diet is huge, huge. Yeah. Um, for performance-wise, I'd say it's probably about 70-30. Yeah. Um, for dieting and wanting to tone up whatever, I, it's about 80 to 90 to 10 to 20 yeah. exercise. Yeah, ain't that the truth? Twinkies and Cheetos are not your friends. Well, you take, for example, you know, your job, you know, being in the police. Mm -hmm. I used to eat like crap because at 2 in the morning, yeah. there's it's, nothing but yeah, McDonald's. And even then, sometimes that's closed. Yeah. So you eat crap. You yeah. feel like crap. Yeah. And it's no good for even for your mental health in the job and because you're running under adrenaline all the time, whether yeah. you think you are or not. Yeah, you definitely are. So in your opinion, then, what lets most people down when they go to do the police PT test? Because I know that when you talk to, like we're, and we both do recruitment evenings for the police, but lots of people really, really struggle with the run. They say they can't do the run, they can't do the run. And like you said, that's just determination and discipline and they'll get there if they train regularly mm. uh, it's not that difficult but um what is the the thing that most people get scared about doing those tests is it the run or is it the jump or is it different for everybody it's or? different for everybody everybody has their one thing that they struggle on yeah um some people it's the run some people are just naturally runners yeah um, yeah. yeah i'm not yeah. um some people struggle with the push-up so whatever they've been struggling on the longest yeah. is normally what freaks them out on the day yeah uh, also people don't always necessarily train how they're going to test yep so if you're doing like up here in auckland you do laps for the for the mm -hmm. run wellington it's a down and back yeah go do exactly what you're going to do yeah because if you're just used to running around your neighborhood for the 2.4 yeah. and then you hop on a six lap track your body doesn't know what's going yeah. on which brings us on to the big debate as well because i know lots of people train like this as well um and i you and i spoke about this at the last recruitment evening treadmills horrible yeah uh, there's a there's a there's a there's a place for them and i don't use them very often at all yeah 
I've hurt myself too many times when I was training for AOS. I almost blew my knee out because I used it too much. Yeah. Uh, and it's good to use every once in a while just so that you can train your body because that pace, like for females, the pace is a 12. For guys, if you want to do it the fastest, and the reason I know this is because that's what I had to do, is a 14. Yeah. So a kilometer pace on the treadmill. Uh, it's good if you want to push yourself and go, okay, this is the pace that my legs have to move at. Yeah. But other than that, don't use it. Run outside, that's what you're testing. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> you're not like, testing on a treadmill. Yeah, it's like you said, you know, just um, you've got to train exactly the way you'll train on the day because if you've only ever done it on a treadmill come testing day, you're not going to make it. No. Nope. Make it plain and simple. So anyway, so let's move on because uh, let's move to powerlifting now. With that, <laughs> how did you get into powerlifting? Because that seriously is not, I mean, I know a couple of powerlifters. And they all sort of say, oh, I went to the gym and I saw some guys doing it, or I just saw it on TV, I saw the world's strongest man and thought, yeah, I'll give this a crack. How, why powerlifting? Why so initially, like, I mean, you've seen my training videos and yeah. stuff like that. I do some, I can do some crazy shit. And yeah. I've done lots of crazy stuff, obviously, training for AOS, did my protection, that, lots yeah. of hit training. My body took a beating with it. Yeah. Uh, I've still got hip things, you know. I Way back when I was trying to get into the place, I went for Navy Divers. So yeah. it was, yeah, lots of that stuff. One of the PTs at one of the gyms that I was at was like, she saw me leg pressing like almost 600 kilos. Yeah. And she's like, wow, you've got some strength. You should look into powerlifting. Didn't think much of it. And then I started following a guy, which if you don't follow him, go follow him. He's a vet from the States. Uh, that one-legged monster. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's, he was blown up his last, literally last um, run from base. Yeah. They hit an IED. Yeah. And so he, um, he suffers a lot of different stuff, but he, I followed him a lot when I was on my trip for motivation. The guy has one and a half legs blown out. The good leg is blown out knees, got blown up back, all this kind of stuff. He deadlifts over 600 pounds. Yeah. So I started following him and I was like, oh yeah. And then he posted some stuff about how the camaraderie is very similar to the military. Yeah. So I started to get into it, and it is, and that's that's kind of why I do it because you know it's you're at a meet and you're competing against guys, and the guy that you're close competing with will still be yelling at you to lift the weight. Yeah. So there's that kind of aspect as well as my body doesn't feel it as hard. Yeah, well, <laughs> because it's slow and controlled. <laughs> so what? Um, so how many powerlifting comps have you done? I've done two uh, this year. Uh, I did one, my novice one, in March, and then. Four weeks later, did Auckland Champs. Um, yeah. Nothing huge. Just did a 500 total. Um, and for my class, isn't even doesn't even make weight for nationals, but it's an accomplishment for yeah, me. Exactly. So. And you know, at the end of the day, you're, you're doing it. So yeah, like, and I'm enjoying it. That's yeah, all that matters. Yeah, that really Do is. what you enjoy. Yeah, exactly. Um, so what's next for powerlifting? You got some comp coming up? Yep. So November 11th at North Shore Barbell here on the North Shore. Uh, gonna go give that a go. I've only been really prepping for it. I what I started five six week prep on it, which isn't much because of the fire. I was going for the fire stuff. Yeah, yeah. So, but yeah, as long as I hopefully get over five hundred total, I'm happy. Uh, I'd say fake it to make it, but you <laughs> you, you can't, can't really fake it. it. No. Yeah, like, no. <laughs> yeah, see if they can build you a couple of weights out of styrofoam. Yeah. So you spoke about the fire service. Um, so you applied for the fire service. Yep. So I applied. I decided in August to apply for it. Um, because I do miss that. You know, that camaraderie, thrill side of stuff. Yeah. As well as the helping people. You know, I'm a public servant. There's a few of my workma old workmates that yep. are always like, yeah, he will always serve the public, most of all. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so I went for that, got through everything, did the final pack day, which is more of a, 
it's kind of similar to your scenarios within the police. Yeah. Lots of, you know, work-related scenario type stuff and testing your brain in that, and I missed out by one point. Right. So, can you yeah. go back and retest? Yep. Or not? So I can apply again in February. Yeah. And you're so, going to or not? I don't know about February, just yep. because I'm just I'm going back to the states here for a month yep. soon. So it might be August next year, but who knows? We'll see okay. what happens. So having done both the, the fire entrance test and both the police entrance test, which is worse? They're different. Yeah. Um, the police one's more physical, I yep. think, um, just because of that run. Yeah. Um, the the fire actual fitness test. You can you can train hard in the gym and you can make it. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it is a mental. They're both mental. Yeah. Challenges. Yeah, exactly. But yeah, I think different aspects, different things. So. And the weird thing about your testing day was that data as well. That was just bizarre because you posted it up on Facebook and I was like, whoa, that's kind of camerish. But you actually tested for the fire service on on the date of the eleventh of the ninth or nine eleventh. Yeah, that's I did. Just <laughs> anyway, okay. So, so our final question before I read out uh, Mrs. Cy's uh, post about uh, reaching out and it's saying it's okay not to be okay is this, and I do this with all of our guests. So, it's uh, your big day to go upstairs, uh, and somebody's delivering your eulogy. What do you hope somebody will say about you at your eulogy? Ooh, tough one, eh? Yeah, it is. <laughs> um, it's actually not too tough. I just, I just that I touch them, you know, in some way. Yeah. I help, I help somebody in some way. Yeah. That was, you know, whether it was that they were knocking on that door of wanting to harm themselves, or you know, that I just pushed them that little bit extra that they needed to get into the police to do what they wanted to do. Yeah. Just, as, just that. Yeah. Um, you know, that I helped somebody. There's nothing wrong with that. So, look at that, uh, just under 30 minutes, and he's got an appointment with a client in uh, not about 15 minutes time, so uh, Chris, thanks very much for taking part, thank you very much for sharing your battle with us, because it's really important that I think members of the public, and also other cops, and also, as we say in the business, first responders, know about this demon that is always knocking on yep. the door, because it will come and get you, um, and unless you deal with it on a consistent basis, like you said, it doesn't affect you uh, just you would affect your families and your wives as well so to all those first responder families uh, look after one another please as well alright so appreciate it and I'm going to leave you with some words from um, Chris's wife about why it's okay not to be okay and I'll um, also talk about some of the groups and some of the organisations that you can contact after that so cheers Chris thanks the following is a post from Chris's wife um, and basically is all about his battle and also her great support too many people suffer in silence. They think that they're the only one feeling the way they do. Two years ago, my funny, crazy, outgoing husband became a shell of his former self. He didn't want to get out of bed. He hated the world and thought everybody was out to get him. His career had literally made him sick. And as the support person, his wife, who loved and cared about him, I knew I was the only one who could make him see he needed help. It was also one of the most hardest and most harrowing situations to find yourself in. The person you love begins to hate you too. They think you're trying to trick them, to deceive them, that you're the problem and they want to get rid of you too. A lot of counselling, a lot of talking, a life-changing, life-saving, soul-searching overseas trip alone and reassessment of his future career came next. Fast forward two years and there are still hard days, but I can truly say I have my husband back. He says he's lucky that he had me to see the things he couldn't. I just wish people knew that there are people out there that love and care for you, even when you think you're at your most unlovable, and that you must persist. 
be relentless in your search to get an answer, to get help, to make sure that the person you love gets better. You never think it will happen to you or to somebody close to you, but it does, and it knocks the wind out of you. As a support person, you spend hours searching for answers, asking others for help, and many nights crying yourself to sleep, wishing this wasn't your life or current situation. But reach out, ask for help. It's okay not to be okay. Remember, tomorrow is a new day. The sun will rise, the birds will sing, and the colours will come back to life. And if you want to know what her husband is doing now, Chris is helping others through health and fitness to fight their own demons. Hence this new name for his company. Check him out at Knocking Demon Fitness. Forever the proudest wife in the world. Where to get help? If you're worried about you or somebody else's mental health, the best place to get help is your local GP or your local mental health provider. However, if you or somebody else is in danger or endangering others, call police immediately on 111. Or if you need to talk to somebody else, there are a number of organisations you can call. Lifeline on 0800 543 354 or 095-222-999 within Auckland, 24-7. The Suicide Crisis Helpline 0508 865 available 24-7. Youthline 0800 376 633, free text to 234 or email talk at youthline.co.nz or online chat. Need to talk, free call or text, 1737, available 24-7. Kids line, 0800 543 754, available 24-7. WhatsApp, 0800 942 8787, 1pm till 11pm. The Depression Helpline, 0800 111 757. Samaritans, 0800 726 666. How I wonder what you are.